0: Addictions? That's a pretty strong word. Especially for something like gossip. I mean, is that really an addiction anyway? We're just, we're just like talking. It's not
1: really hurting anyone. Everyone says I should stop drinking. But they had no idea how stressful my job is. So to relax. After work, I, I stop for a few drinks. Just, just so I don't take that stress out on the family. It's not like I'm getting drunk or anything. It's not really hurting anyone. I
0: saw my husband doing something on the internet that he shouldn't. He says that uh, he knows it's wrong, but most men struggle with this. So he claims that it's not really hurting anyone.
1: Overspending is my weakness, I admit. But I like to buy things for me and the family. Is that so wrong? Right? Right? Okay, maybe the credit cards are kind of maxed out, but that's my problem. It's not really hurting anyone.
0: People at work are telling me that I flirt a little bit too much with this new guy at the office. We just joke around and have a good time. It's no big deal. It's not like I'm planning to have a little affair behind my husband's back. I wouldn't do that. So it's not really hurting anyone. I yell at the kids. Sometimes I just need a few minutes to myself.
1: I smoke.
0: It calms my nerves.
1: I lied at my job interview.
0: I need this job.
1: I can't forgive my parents.
0: It's their fault I struggle with depression.
1: Stealing isn't something I do, like, all the time.
0: It's just that I can't afford things that other people can.
1: Okay, so maybe I hide this stuff.
0: But who cares? It's It's not not really really hurting hurting anyone. anyone.
2: Christ Church. I'm Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at uh, Christ Church. Uh, Welcome. Glad you're all here. Uh, Upper Room, glad you are there and worshiping and having a powerful experience there, as well as obviously all our folks uh, joining us uh, online this morning. And uh, by the way, wasn't that awesome, that drama thing? Didn't they do awesome? Yeah, it was. They deserve that. Uh, and it's really insightful uh, to uh, to inform us as we think about our topic this morning, right? We're in our series about uh, baggage. This is our second second week. Uh, and last week we kind of hopefully laid the, laid the groundwork, right, of just uh, understanding baggage uh, in general and how we respond to baggage. And now in these next weeks we're going to uh, uh, take, take a more intimate dive, a little, a little deeper dive, into uh, some specific kinds of luggage right your Samsonite, your American tourist or, whatever it is, right, but take, take a little deeper, deep, deeper dive and a little heavier uh, dive, and so today uh, we 're going to talk about uh, addiction, and uh, even as I say that, I know that uh, there 's probably a couple responses happening in the room. Uh, one is that uh, you may be sitting there and saying, "Well, okay, good, I can check out on this one uh, i 'm fine i 'm not really." Uh, addicted to anything, you know? Well, okay, if that's a respond to, response, tune back in, will you? Uh, come back for a minute, because you may be surprised as we look at how the, Bi- the Bible understands uh, addictive uh, behaviors. You may be uh, surprised. For example, self disclosure here. Uh, my wife tells me that uh, one of the things I struggle with is uh, letting go of things, right? I'm a, I'm a saver, right? Um, I, I teach and preach and all that radical generosity stuff believe in that, absolutely. Uh, but when it comes to things, i got to be honest, it, it, it's hard for me to let things go, right? And sometimes uh, it controls me. I need to break that, right? It can be that simple. Now, another response in the room uh, may be that you're sitting there saying, uh, okay, I know I have one of those addictive behavior things going on in my life, and uh, I really don't want to face it because I kind of like it. I mean, that's a reality, right, that addictive behaviors can be things that we simply enjoy and we kind of like them. And and, uh, if that's where you are, boy, uh, please tune in, stay with me, uh, because on the other side of this message today, hopefully, is freedom for you, uh, because you are being absolutely deceived uh, by that addiction. Uh, Addictions are only destructive. And so just hang in there, stay with me, and uh, in the end, hopefully you will move to a freedom beyond the uh, addiction. Well, all that to say, we need to think about, talk about, uh, so what, what is addictive behavior? What, wh- how does the Bible uh, understand addictive behavior, right? And remember, I'm up here to be your pastor, not your therapist. That's not my role. My role is to be the pastor, and so we're going to just look at God's Word as we go into this heavy, heavy topic, right? Uh, Here really is kind of the definition for Scripture. Uh, The Apostle Peter kind of nails it for us uh, when he uh, begins talking here. He says they promise freedom. So that's an important thing. On the one side, he's understanding that our lives are supposed to be lived with a whole lot of freedom, right? The the, the freedom that comes from just living in Christ, right? Uh, Just living that freedom of being God's own uh, person, right? So they promise freedom, but, uh, now there's a great phrase to remember when you're doing biblical study, uh, buts are big in the Bible, right? Now, I know that doesn't come out real good, right? But the but way for you to remember, whenever you hit a but uh, in, in a scriptural text, you want to pay attention uh, because those buts are, are really significant, right? And so it is in this verse too, right? He's already laid out that there's, there's freedom, and now he's going to give you the contrast and say, But, but, they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, right? Not good. Sin and corruption, right? There's freedom on the one side, but what's on the other side? Sin and corruption, right? And then he begins to define what does it mean to be enslaved, Right? To be enslaved by this sin and corruption. He says, For we are a slave to whatever controls us, whatever controls you. This is the big question. What are the things, what are the behaviors, what are the influences that control your thinking, your acting, your speaking? What are the things that influence you so that they actually take control? Well, wow. That, that can be pretty big and pretty broad, right? So how many of you have been spending a lot of time on the Internet and you sit down on the couch and you get on the Internet and uh, you start doing the Facebook stalk or whatever it is, and the next thing you know, you look up and three hours have gone by. And you just lost three hours of freedom because you became enslaved to the Internet. Right? I actually put together uh, a list of things to, to try to expand uh, how we understand this thing of addiction. right? Uh, so how about this one? How many of you wake up in the morning and can't get the motor started until you have that first cup of coffee? Until that caffeine thing kicks in? Or uh, how many of you, uh, your mood for the day is based on how the stock market's doing? That you're checking the stock market all the time during the day, and how you feel during that day is controlled by how the stock market is doing? Or sports? How many of you are so obsessed with sports that that controls your thinking? The guys that kill me is, is, you ever watch a Raiders game? The Oakland Raiders, right? Right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those guys that are in the end zone that are always just like decked out to the nines in the Raiders outfit. Don't you wonder if any of them are like a neurosurgeon or something? I mean, I don't know what they do, but I mean, I just like wonder. That, I mean, it's really that you're that into it, right? It's like they like to the consume by it, right? But. Maybe maybe it's working out. Maybe you, you need that adrenaline rush of working out so the next thing you know, you're not spending time with your kids or with your spouse. Instead, you're spending all your time uh, at the gym and working out. What controls you, right? And, of course, there's the things that we all know in our culture of pornography, right, that secret addiction that, that so many have, uh, alcohol, that obvious addiction that so many have, Right? The reality is that when we get looking into Scripture, we start asking the question, what, what is addictive? The definition in Scripture is so much broader than what we may think it is. It, it is simply that thing of what is it that is influencing us so strongly that it has a sense of control over us? If you look at Paul, as he wrote to, uh, to the, the people, the Christians in uh, Corinth, he says, I have the right to do anything. Great statement. Often in our culture, when we get talking about addictive behaviors, that's like, well, hey, you know, it's, I, I can handle it. I got it under control, right? Or as you, as you heard, besides, it's not hurting anybody. What's the big deal, right? I got it. It's, it's all good. I got it under control. It's, uh, well, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is, what's the word? Not everything is beneficial. There's a key question, isn't it? As you look at what influences your life, what consumes your thoughts, what takes over your time and your energy, does it fall in that category of being beneficial? Or is it controlling you in a way that is leading you away from the freedom that God wants for you? Paul says, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, the truth for us, if we are Christ followers, the truth for us is that we ought to have only one master in our life. We ought to have only one thing, one person that consumes our life, and that's our relationship with God. That's our relationship with Christ, right? Jesus said what? You must, categorically, right? You must, not optional. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. How many times does the word all appear? You think he's trying to get a point through to us? You see, this is the challenge when we get to the baggage of addictive behavior. It is that influence that somehow tries to influence or take control of our lives, and it steals away from us our relationship with Christ. And if it seals our relationship with Christ, it's going to steal away our other relationships as well. I and mean, we can sit down and we can say, well, what are the most important things in our life? And we say, hey, God is number one, our spouse is number two, our family is number three, right? We're all on board with that. And yet, when you look at how you spend your time and your emotional energy, when you look at how you spend your life, what's controlling you? Or is there an addictive behavior? Is there something that's taking hold of you, something that's chiding at your heels all the time that is taking you away from the primary relationships in your life? Here's the truth. You ready? If your spouse is challenging you about something in your life, that somehow something in your life is becoming too important, you need to listen. If you have a a couple other people in your life, some friends in your life, who who are coming to you and they're challenging you about something in your life, you better listen. Because they're trying to help you understand there is something addictive that is stealing your freedom. And you need to listen. For us, we are supposed to be absolutely all in absolutely all in what it is to have Christ as the sole master of our lives, that nothing else controls us. Why? Because that's where the fruit lies. That's where our life lies. That's where freedom comes from. That's where everything happens that is good and pleasing and honorable, right? Jesus describes it using the vine image, and he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them, they're going to produce what? They're going to produce Much fruit. Fruit good? Right? That's the image. They're going to produce much fruit. But here's the contrast. But for apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. You see, when we let these addictive behaviors take hold of us and draw us away from our fundamental, primary, mastery relationship with Jesus, it ends to nothing. Addictive behaviors are consuming and destructive. And so we need to be able to be honest. We need to be able to look at it, name them, and call them out. It's what we talked about last week in our first step. When we deal with our baggage, we take our bags. We just look at our lives, and we get real with our lives, and we take our bags. We call it what it is. That's the invitation. The first invitation of the morning is to, to start looking at your life and examining, do you, do you have any of those addictive behaviors, any of those things that are robbing you and stealing away your life and the fruit that could happen in your life by just keeping Jesus Christ at the center of your life. Take your bag. If you say, yep, you know what? If I'm honest, I do. There's things that just have way too much influence in my life. What do we do? Well, the answer last week was was the same as this week, right? Is, well, you you just got to be able to take it to the cross. I had one of our folks uh, talk to me this last week about last week's message. You know, I get that every once in a while, right? And uh, they said, you know, Pastor, you you said we need to take it to the cross. But what what does that mean? mean, How do I do that? What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means you do that. You take it to the cross. You start by just acknowledging it, taking your bag, and then just crying out. Place yourself at the cross. Put yourself at that experience when Jesus was dying on the cross. What do you suppose was happening around the cross by those who were following him? What what thoughts, what emotions, what, what was going through their hearts and minds, what was maybe coming out of their mouths? I don't know. I look at it, and I suspect there was a lot of crying. And I suspect there was a lot of anger, frustration, disappointment. I suspect they were sitting there or kneeling there at the cross and they were fed up with the situation. It's not supposed to be this way. And that's what we ought to be. When we look and we begin to identify these addictive behaviors in our life, we should be at that place where we say, enough, I am done with that. Enough. This is not what God calls me to. I am not going to live my life in that way anymore. We should be able to be at that cross and cry out as much as Jesus cried out in his own dying. We come to the cross, and we just simply acknowledge it. We cry out, and we confess it, and we're honest, and we're truthful. It says, the Lord is close to all who call him. Yes, to all who call on him in, what's the word, in truth. We just go there and we get absolutely honest with ourselves and with Christ. We hold nothing back. We name it, we call it out, we cry about it, and we come to Jesus with it. We go to that cross just like He did. And when we're there, we consent totally. We just absolutely, totally Surrender. See, some people have this image that what they, what they need to do with their sins when we say Jesus died for us is, well, we just need to kind of bundle our sins up, right? We just kind of bundle them up and put them in a nice little package and, and we put a bow on it, take it to the cross, and just say, here, Jesus, here's my present for you, and we just give him this little present of our sins. Well, that's a nice sweet image, but that's not a cross. What happens at a cross? People die. Blood is spilt. People cry. When we go to the cross, we don't just bundle up this nice little package. We go to the cross and we die. We give up everything that we are, including all of our sins and all of our addictions and all of our ugly behaviors and all of our shame. We take all that we are and we take it there and we let it die. Cross is where people die. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to your sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve Him. Instead, give yourselves what? Give yourself completely, absolutely, all of you, including your baggage, to God. For you were dead. That's what we do. We go there, we get honest, and we kill that part of our life. We die with Christ. And the promise is, but now, even though you were dead, even though you die, now you have new life. We go there and we die and we rise again a different person without the sins, without the baggage, without anything but the lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? You see, it is absolute and it is complete, and it is the place that our addictive behaviors die. So we lose our luggage We lose our luggage at the cross. If you're absolutely honest with yourself, what is it? What is it that you need to surrender as you go to the cross and you just die there? And you let Jesus Christ take over your life and make you and raise you into a new person. And what is this new person? Well, we we come away from the cross alive and a new person Captivated now by Christ and by his promises over our life. We come away from there captivated by Christ and by his promises over our life. And so Paul can say, Here's a guy who died, right? Who died and rose again in his life. He says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, Paul died, and now he says, Listen, I live, and I live for Christ. In his new life, as he walks away from the cross, he now lives for Christ. We live saying there is nothing else that controls our life. There is nothing else that is a master of our life but Jesus Christ and him alone. How do we know? Because that's who God is. That's what God does. He does what we can't do for ourselves. This is great. In Ephesians, that same Paul says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. You see, we can die because we know his promises over our life. We know he is rich in mercy. Bible's way of saying he's never going to run out of it. He is rich in mercy. We can die at the cross and become a new person because we know His love for us is constant. He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gives us, gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. You see, we rise up and we are a different person because now we live under the mastery of of Christ, and He can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Guys, can you advance it for me? My clicker just died for some reason. If uh, you look, oh, that's why somebody's being called. Now we know why. <laughs> if you uh, go ahead, you got it? There we go. If you look at Ephesians, Paul again, uh, he understands the resources that are available to us. And so if you're struggling with something that is trying to control your life, it's to understand uh, who God is and what God can do for you, right? And so Paul says, I pray that from his unlimited resources, what are his resources? Unlimited Right? Think about that. His resources, what He can do in your life, is unlimited. You see, His power, His love for you, His mercy for you, is so much greater and so much bigger than just a beer. His love for you, His his grace and mercy in your life, what He can do for you is so much greater than anything else that you can name that's trying to take hold of your life. He can do what we can't do for ourselves. He has unlimited resources, and he is able to empower you with an inner strength through his spirit that he can lead us into a freedom that we can accomplish on our own. We die to ourselves, and we just rise to him, and he becomes everything. So what's the answer? We become a new person after we leave the cross. We become a new person, and that person just trusts God more and believes God more. It just trusts God more and believes God more. How do we do that? Well, we trust God more, we believe God more, well, we just start living God and doing things God's way. We give up the addictive behaviors because we just start taking in more and more of God in our life, and we employ His unlimited resources and we employ his mighty weapons. It comes out of 2 Corinthians. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Right? We need to overcome our addictive behaviors because we let God's mighty weapons do the work that we can't do for ourselves. What are the mighty weapons? Here is a great example out of the book of Acts. A simple, great example out of the book of Acts where God just comes in, in power and strength, and accomplishes for Paul and Silas what they could not do for themselves. So it's in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas are in prison, right? And it's around midnight. Paul and Cyrus are in prison. They're in chains. And what are they doing when they're in prison in chains? They are praying, and they're singing hymns to God. What do we do? Well, we just need to be more in tune with turning Christ loose in our life. That means you just need to pray more. You need to talk to Him more. 24-7, what time of day is it when they're talking to God? Midnight. It's not a convenient time. It's midnight. And yet they're engaged in praying about their situation. They're praying and they're singing hymns. They are worshiping. Can I be honest with you for a minute? Some of you don't worship enough. You don't worship enough. That's just the truth. And these addictive behaviors are going to keep chiding at your heels until you just get regular in worship. Because you need to have more worship, more God in your life, so he can overcome these things that chide at your heels. That's why we do it every week. You need to just worship more. You need to pray more, worship more, be in the Word more. You just need to drink in more God. That's what we do. That's what they did. They're in prison. They're in chains. It's midnight. They pray. They sing hymns. And notice other people are listening. You know where this is going, right? You need to make sure you're in a small group. Why? You need other people to listen to you. You need other Christ followers to come alongside of you. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot get rid of addictive behaviors on your own. You need to die at the cross, rise up a new person, and you need to let the mighty weapons of God loosen your life. And one of those mighty weapons is other Christians, other Christ followers, where you can just go and be absolutely honest and open. You need to be in a small group. If you're really struggling... Come to celebrate recovery. That's why it's there. Come and be with other Christians who understand what it means to struggle and let them strengthen you and empower you in Christ. You need to just pray more, worship more, you need to make sure you're in the Word more, and you need to be with other Christians more. Look at the outcome in verse 26. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. I love it. A massive earthquake. This can make for a massive change in your life. A massive change in your life. What was the change? All the doors were immediately, they flew open, and the chains of every prisoner did what? They fell off. And Paul and Silas experienced freedom. Remember where we started today? Freedom. You see, we can be free. We can be free from these addictive behaviors that try to control us. When we just die at the cross and we take God more and more into our life and let Him do what we can't do for ourselves. And so we pray more, we worship more, we're in the Word more, we get other Christians around us more. We just simply believe that God is bigger than anything else that tries to control us. And we believe that God has a future. I can tell you that. Whatever you're facing right now, God has a future for you beyond what you're facing. Whatever you're struggling with right now, God has a future for you beyond that struggle. And he invites you to a freedom beyond whatever the addiction is. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can trust you in all things, uh, even in the most challenging and difficult of things. Hard things this morning, because there's so many things in our life that try to take hold, try to control us, to draw us away. Lord, we just uh, pray this morning that there'd be a, a massive earthquake in, in our lives that you would do what we can't do for ourselves. Help us to let go of our old life, to just just die to it, and rise up as new people, absolutely consumed by your mercy, by your love, by your promises, and by the future you have for us. So, Lord, we come to you this morning humble with uh, all of our brokenness, and we ask... Do what only you can do, and unleash in our lives those mighty weapons. We commit ourselves to you, in Jesus' name, amen.